sexy nerds of the nerd imperium welcome to this week's episode of the currently nerdy podcast we are your inner conclave of nerdum my name is diz and i'm your pop culture and sports nerd ali i am only your classic nerd what's going on man you know just surviving yeah i you were you were you were telling me it snowed there recently yeah a month ago Uh (laughs) not recently a month ago (laughs) <laughs> the only snow I experienced. I gotta say too is like I can't believe that it's it's already end of January. Yeah, right. Like it's um, it's I, gone I, by pretty quick. It's gone by very. I think what happened was that because of all the excitement at the beginning of the year, right, uh-huh. with an insurrection and whatnot, and then we all kind of held our breath, waiting for the inauguration. But <laughs> yeah. in the process, like it just kind of time began to be, you know. A construct became very clearly a construct. Yeah, well, it's because we were living. January felt like it was ten years, and it's already over. Yeah, but it's like we were living through history each day of it. Yeah, so I think that's why. But like, I still can't believe it. Like, yeah, it's it's the it's end of January, January in a, in a few days. almost. Yeah, and, like, it's, and it's also our first. Uh, you know, we're one of our first re- returns back to, you know, regular posting. So January. Oh yeah, regular program. <laughs> We've done two podcasts this entire month uh, so far, and that's just because we've been living through all sorts of crazy things, yeah, it's been uh, a- and also just, yeah, this has been a weird month. It really has, So man. when you say it snowed recently, it's mm-hmm. not incorrect, because in my mind, December and January are blurred together. Typically, right? Yeah. But, uh, I don't know, man. It's just been weird. Like, December felt like a whole year for me. Like, that month. Felt like a year long. That ma- the month was very long. But also, yeah. like, a lot happened in that month that we're just kind of like, like, people forgot that there was a suicide bomber that blew up a block of a yeah. major city in yeah, December. That gets, that gets swept under a yeah. rug, bro. And that it's... there was a volcano that erupted. That yeah. There was also an earthquake in San Francisco. It's like, there was a lot yeah. that happened in like the last two weeks, 2020, was like, it went out with a bang. Came out as hard, bro. Came yeah. out as hard. And then we started off the year with an insurrection. Mm-hmm. So everyone who thought and then, 2021 was going to be A-OK. And then a second, like, it was, so did you see those, um, the pictures of, like, the Wednesdays that they put? So they put, the, like, that first Wednesday was an insurrection, the second Wednesday was an impeachment, and then the third Wednesday was an inauguration. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's been it's been crazy. Historic times. Yeah. It's been, it's been crazy in my world too, man. Um so uh those who know me, right? Know I'm a huge huge wrestling fan. Like grew up on it. Like literally like I think I pay attention more to like wrestling than I do any other like sports entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's I I'd rather watch like if if I got if I was able to get tickets to go watch a Super Bowl yeah. Or watch WrestleMania live. You'd go to WrestleMania. I'd go to WrestleMania. With, yeah. That's like, the highest heartbeat. sports for you. Yeah. It's, a, it's, just, it's always been my thing since I was a kid. And like, I feel like I know more about wrestling than I do any other sport. Right. right. Uh, if you want to call it a sport. But whatever. Uh, sports entertainment. But um, one of the pioneers of sports entertainment um, is a guy named Mark Calloway, who is known by uh, most people as The Undertaker. Right. Um. Like literally, he he transcends wrestling. A lot of like, it's a name that most people know. Yeah, I mean, right? I'm not a wrestling fan in any way, shape, or form. I think I've maybe watched 
two or three actual wrestling and that's because i was that's because i was spending the summer at your house yeah, and yeah, i would make I you watch I monday night raw for sure the last time i saw wrestling was with you yeah um, the last the last time you watched wrestling you literally watched one of the greatest episodes of monday night raw history so it was yeah that, it's, it's it was with you but i can yeah. tell you that i know who the undertaker is yeah so the undertaker retired in 2020 right mm-hmm. so he had his last match at uh, wrestlemania in 2020 and he he retired um but since he's retired he's kind of been going on like he's the the undertaker was known for not breaking kayfabe um kayfabe is like the the term for like staying in character right so uh like it's a work it's not real so un- the undertaker never did interviews and stuff as the undertaker really mm-hmm. you know cuz like or outside of his persona of the undertaker it's like he believed, like, oh, yeah, I got to be this character. Like, people like me for this character. I have to be, like, if, I pretend, if I'm myself outside of it, then they're not going to believe my character in the ring. Which is, like, an old school, like, thing that, like, there, there's a wrestler from uh, Mexico named El Santo, who is, like, the biggest name in Lucha Libre. He, he would never be caught dead outside without his mask on, and he was always in character. That's how big he was. Like, he did movies but he would wear his mask in the movies. So it's like an old school tradition. But anyways, now that he's retired, um, Taker's been doing like podcasts and stuff like that. And he went on the Joe Rogan podcast uh, this past week. And he pissed off a lot of wrestling fans. Um, like he, uh, he went on there and Joe Rogan's like, so do you watch the product now? And he's like, you know, I try to, but it's, it's, it's kind of soft to me, you know? He's like, back in my days, like, I'd go into a locker room and there would just be a bunch of men there and they'd be drinking beers and they had guns and knives on their bags. And now I go into a locker room and it's just a bunch of guys playing video games and they're worried about being pretty instead of worrying about being tough. I miss men being men. I'm like, having guns and knives in the locker room, I'm not, I'm not understanding what there is to be nostalgic about with that. Like, so. Well, yeah. there was these weapons of death while we were getting naked. That's what I'm saying, right? So, like, here's my thing, all right? In the 80s, oh, sorry. I, I'm going to go back to, like, my, my history of it because mm-hmm. I could go back further. But, like, we'll, we'll talk about, like, when wrestling got popular, which was, like, the 80s and 90s was in, like, the heyday of wrestling, the Hulk Hogan era, right? And then the uh, Stone Cold and the Rock era, which was the 80s and the 90s. At that time, those guys, right, like, were in the locker room they were doing fucking quaaludes they were doing somas somas are a hardcore muscle relaxer if you don't know like people would overdose on that shit um they were all doing steroids they were all just drinking getting like they there were stories of like guys like harassing the female talent um the guys like pulling ribs on each other by like pooping in each other's bags and stuff that's disgusting it was a very, very toxic culture, right? And wrestling has a history of being toxic, and it has been. Like, to this day, it's still, like, kind of toxic, right? Like, I'm not going to deny that, like, the entertainment that, like, I'm watching isn't toxic, because it is, right? Um, but it's, it's gotten somewhat better. Mm-hmm. Now, the guys now, like, these younger guys, they saw what happened to all the older dudes, because they, when they came up, they were seeing, like, these guys, like, could barely walk and like yeah. they're dealing with all these like debilitating injuries from like taking all these drugs and taking all these steroids and all this stuff. 
So they decided, you know what? We're not going to do that. Like mm-hmm. we want to, we want to prolong our career. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure like we're mentally happy. We want to make sure that like we're physically good. So instead of like going in the locker rooms and drinking beers and like fighting each other and killing each other, because there's been wrestlers that were killed in the locker rooms. Like if you look up Bruiser Brody, fucking Bruiser Brody was murdered in a Puerto Rican wrestling bat, uh, locker room because somebody owed him money. So instead Jesus of giving Christ. him the money, they fucking stabbed him when he was taking a shower. You know, like, um, so instead of doing all that shit, they're, they're building a sense of camaraderie and they're playing video games together and like they're relaxing and they're working out right. and they're just hanging out. Yeah. Like, it, it seems to me too, is like that it's not that the culture has gotten softer. It's that labor standards have been introduced. Y'all are workers, right? And so there's an element of safety that's involved. I mean, as it is, wrestling is really bad for the physical body, right? Mm-hmm. It, injuries are likely all this it's like to me when i'm when you're explaining this sort of change i'm not seeing this as like people have gotten softer i'm seeing this as like oh they introduced normal sane labor practices they introduced the idea that maybe the place you should work at or the place that you work at shouldn't be toxic right yeah like, the idea that you sh- you should be able to go to work without feeling like you're constantly under attack or stressed out or any of these other things that are deeply unhealthy for your mental state. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? And it's like, the thing that bugs me and irks me the most about it is, so Taker's like a, he's a hardline Republican. Like, they, he did a documentary about, like, his career, like, right when it was ending. Um, and he was just wearing, like, a Blue Lives Matter shirt. And then he went on, like, something with, like, Snoop Dogg, and he's like, yeah, you know, wrestling, when, when, you're, when it comes down to wrestling, you don't see black and white, you know, you just see brothers and, you know, sisters mm-hmm. and, you know, like, I have black fans, I have white fans, so, like, I, I think we transcend racism in wrestling, and I'm like, no, bitch, that's not true, like, you guys fucking, there was characters of black guys that you guys fucking turned into, like, thieves, you guys called them crime time, and, like, their whole gimmick was that they stole from people, you made uh, Eddie Guerrero, who was arguably one of the greatest workers of all time his gimmick was that he lied cheat and steals everything you fucking turn this italian american dude into a muslim named muhammad hassan and made him into a terrorist that Mm. actually fucking came out with like uh, people that were supposed to be like al-qaeda and beat up the undertaker which got them kicked off like almost got him kicked off of upn back in the day like don't talk to me like wrestling isn't racist when you you know have characters like Kamala, the Ugandan giant, who was, oh God, yeah. you know, like, and Kim Chi and Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna, like, don't, it's, and when most bad guys are like these foreign heels, like, don't, don't tell me wrestling isn't racist. And so that irks me. It also irks me, like, I hate when people say men should be men, right? Like, that comment pisses me off. Because what the fuck does it mean? for men to be men. Right. right. And so there is this, I'm fascinated. These are, these are constructions of masculinity that are historically contingent, right? And mm-hmm. I've talked about this before when we did the uh, session with, uh, on masculinity at AAC. I've, I've mentioned this before. Like the idea is that there isn't a sort of universal, historically consistent idea of what it means to be a man. Yeah. It's a myth. The idea that the, what men 
have always meant this. That it's always meant rough and tumble, and that it's meant danger and tough, right? That's a complete fiction. Yeah, bro, right? I'm sorry. Like, you know what pisses me off is when Republicans, right, are like, man, or should be man, like, what else was America? Bitch, your founding fathers wore powdered wigs and makeup and, like, long yeah. dresses. And this is, this is the thing that people don't get. It's like, literally, not even that long ago, there was about, about roughly, I'd say about 100 years max. 100 years max, there was a big shift. So up until that point, the definition of, of man or masculine was gentlemanly. Mm-hmm. The idea was that a man did not strike one another. To, to, to strike one another, in other words, be rough and tumble, was to be low class. <laughs> it was defined as being barbaric. That men were genteel. That they wore perfume, that they wore powders, that they had uh, an interest in, in poetry. That masculinity was even defined by sweet letters that you wrote your friends, your male <laughs> friends. If you read some of the writing from the early 19th century or the mid-19th century of men writing one another, it's very homoerotic. Very homoerotic. And that was defined as masculine. That was yeah. exclusively masculine. There was a moment in where that shifted, and interestingly enough, it is related to wrestling. It's actually boxing where that changed. Uh, what like ended Jack up Dorsey's. happening was that there was a boxing match between two different boxers, one who was black and one who was white. Mm-hmm. And it was in that moment where blackness was defined as rough and tumble, as violent, as raping, pillaging, etc., right? Uh-huh. That we will see masculinity's definition shift to become more coarse, to become more like men fight with one another, men are on. The- so th- this was actually, it was literally sports entertainment, right? Yeah. Or sports that changed the definition of masculinity. But what that reminds us of is that masculinity is not a constant. That when someone goes, I wish we go back to the day where men were men, right? That 30 years from now, someone's going to say the exact same thing about the time when men were playing games in their locker rooms and not fighting. <laughs> yeah. In other words, there is a constantly changing, shifting definition of what it means to be a man and it is historically and societally shaped, that it is not some sort of biological constant, that men don't have to act a certain way to be defined as men. Yeah, that should have known. And then it just it brought me back to thinking about Candace Owens' dumbass. Yeah. And her like flipping out on Harry Styles because he wore a dress on like the cover of Vogue recently. And she's like, yeah, men need to be men. Yeah. Listen, Candace, Harry Styles can go out in a dress and I guarantee you, like, he will get more love and attention than any of us on our best day. <laughs> on his worst day in a dress. He's going to get more love and admiration and affection than we would on our best day, wearing the nicest suit or whatever overalls that you want us to wear, Candace Owens. Like, I, I, it just bugs me. And, like, I, I don't know. I hate that. I, it's, I feel like, I don't know what it is, but it's, like, something about, like, I think of, like, people like Candace Owens and then that Marjorie Taylor Green woman. Oh, God. And, and what's her name? Lauren Bobbert or whatever. Like, and then that one dude from, uh, I forgot where he was, but he was the one hiding in the house and then he refused to wear a mask. Oh God. Yeah. Duskins. Is that his name? Yeah. <sighs> like the, those people, bro, they're the ones that like, they're the ones that are clamoring for this shit. And they're like, 
they're they're wishing for the past yeah. and like they don't realize that the world is uh, evolving in front of you and you're just not evolving yeah and part of the, that's part of the component here is that the world changes and it's constantly going through different fads and ideas and trends it's opening up it's closing up it's having new and interesting ideas and there's a contingent of people who are so desperately afraid of change that they've created a fiction of the past that they're clinging to that never really existed, right? Like mm-hmm. part of this Undertaker conversation, where I wish we could men could be men, fantastically ignores the fact that the exact same period he's talking about also involves a flamboyancy, a oh, complete yeah. flamboyancy and, and uh, you know, uh, pageantry when it comes to masculinity that today we'd kind of look back and go, oh, interesting. Men in speedos and bright colors and feather boas and right like yeah I'm thinking of the right said Fred video with like fishnet shirts and stuff yeah like so like there's this idea like I wish men could go back to being men it's like mm, yeah do you, bro do you Hulk Hogan how it used to be yeah Hulk Hogan came out in feathered boas Ric Flair came out in a big ass bright robe like just stop it sean michaels was sitting there gyrating and posing for playgirl like get out of here get get, get out of here with you that was your generation yeah dick i don't know man i uh i i have one of those like i have a very unpopular opinion of the undertaker so like i'm one of the people that really dislike him i think he was overrated i think he wasn't as great as a worker as as people think he was i don't i think the only reason he got famous was or got big was because of his character and he was a company man um so wrestling fans and i like get into arguments all the time about our take on the undertaker so maybe i'm not the the one to to actually no i am the one to criticize the undertaker because fuck him i called him out first you're gonna take credit for calling out the Undertaker. I'm pretty sure plenty of people before you have called out the Undertaker. Yeah, but in the wrestling world, I'm one of the minority voices that calls out the Undertaker. Okay, I've been calling him out for years. I've been saying he's overrated and crap for years, and now everyone else sees what I see, and they just they don't they don't have it in their mind, right? Like now they're gonna try to twist the facts and change things to to fit their own illusions. It's kind of like what these Republicans are doing now. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're in this moment where I think the politics of nostalgia is very powerful, mm-hmm. right? This idea that there was somehow a past, a perfect, beautiful past that we could uh, hold on to. And so what, what's happening is that that politics of nostalgia has led people to believe not just a fiction about the past, but a fiction about the present, too. It's like we're living in the moment of QAnon. Right oh, in the past, as we're recording this, a few days have passed from the inauguration, right? And there was a significant number of Americans, at the very least millions of them, who genuinely believed that at 12 p.m. on inauguration, there was going to be mass arrests of Democrats and political leaders and Everybody, like the military was going to step right. in. There were then going to be military tribunals and, and whatnot. Yeah, you said Space Force was coming. Space Force, yeah. They, they, had, they <laughs> had really put all their <laughs> eggs in the Space Force back. <laughs> and there's a part of me that's just like, <laughs> it's so surreal that people genuinely believe this. But there's another part of that. It's like, 
deeply alarmed that that's how many dumb people live in this country, right? Bro. But we were watching. I was like, okay, 9, 8.30 or so a.m. came about, and Trump gave his farewell speech, and it became clear he was leaving, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's like, thank you very much. It was an honor. And now I wish the new administration luck. Up until this point, every time he had said new administration, they were like, oh, well, he's still referring to himself. It's just, you know, he's going to, he he's not re- recognizing Biden. It's going to be a new administration because he's going to have new people with him. He's like, no, that's not how the English language works. Yeah. But now it became very clear. And so they clung on. Like, no, no, no. Look, he had 17 flags behind him. And Q is the 17th letter. So. <laughs> Of course, that means something's going to happen. Okay, maybe he needs to, to be on Air Force One or whatnot, and then we'll, we'll just wait till 12. 12 is the new deadline. Right? Yeah. right at the inauguration, the military will step in and everyone will get arrested. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it started to sink in. Wait a minute. He's, he's not on Air Force One. He literally landed in Florida. Yep. He's actually, he actually left. Okay, no, no, no. Maybe he just needed to be outside. And then we, they started to see people get sworn in. Yeah. Kamala Harris got sworn in. And Biden's getting up there, and you could see like the people were posting from Parler and whatnot. They're posting the or the uh, uh, Telegram. I'm sorry, the Telegram mm-hmm. chat of the Q and on. They're like, "Wait a minute, shouldn't be the military be stepping in by now? What about yeah. now?" And other people are like, "No, no, no, he has to be sworn in because then there's technically no president and the military is in charge." And then nothing happened. Bro, have you seen um, some of the theories? Like, I'll, oh, I'm gonna yeah. give you my uh, my top two theories. Okay. Theory number one. This one's my favorite. There is a face-off moment. Yeah, I've seen this. Donald Trump is actually Joe Biden. Yeah. Um, they did a face surgery and replaced his face with, <laughs> with Biden's face. Sorry, that's how absurd it is, bro. Like, I can't even get it that out one, with I'm it. almost 100% sure that has to be satire. <laughs> because that one ends, it's just, it's the rule of the internet that we live in such fucked up times that you oh. can't tell satire. Okay. I'll tell you why I think it is satire. is because it ends with, and whenever he stutters, that's just uh, Donald Trump trying to learn Biden's mannerisms. Oh. That's why I'm like, yeah, okay, this okay. is clearly. <laughs> All right. And then my second favorite one is that Donald Trump was actually a Democrat spy that was <laughs> there to destroy the Republican Party. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's some people. Those are the people who have lost faith, right? Yeah. Um, there's other people who are still holding on. They're like, no, it's going to be March because that historically that was the original inauguration day. So there's still people who are talking about trusting the plan. But there's also awakening happening where people are going, holy shit, we've been duped. The thing is, though, there's not a nearly enough people willing to admit that they were duped. Not yeah. nearly enough that they were going, hold on. I mean, I just want to point out, we laugh at this. We laugh at this. But look how alarming it was that a random dude posting from his mom's basement (laughs) some fucking role-play shit on the internet convinced millions, not some, but millions of adults that their government was run by a secret cabal of pedophiles and that there was going to be a mass military execution of those people based entirely, entirely off of mangling, misinterpreting, and twisting and parsing the English language. Yeah. Oh, if you count to 17, 
look, there's a Q there. And if you count all the A's and you count the first letters of all these sentences, it adds up to these letters. And these letters actually can be decoded to mean, you know, a it's, Satan. That's the, what it convinced people. It's and the Charlie Day from... Uh... It is. It was that. <laughs> but millions of people were caught up into it. And it, it's easy to, you know, part of the language that has emerged afterwards is, oh, we should be empathetic. We should be sympathetic. No, we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. We should call out these people. We should be like, you were stupid enough to believe that. It's only when you're able to acknowledge that something fucked up happens that you can address. If, you, we, if we sweep this under the rug, if we play the empathy, oh, they were caught up. No, because the conspiracy theory led to people dying. It led Literally. to violence. That conspiracy theory was used as a weapon and bludgeon against everybody. Every day, somebody on Twitter called a politician a pedophile, called a Democrat a pedophile, called people against that they disagreed with. Like, literally, they turned one of the most horrific crimes, child sex trafficking, which really exists, mm-hmm. into nothing more than a political tool to accuse their enemies of. Yeah, like, that's, that's the thing, right? And I think that's... This is the thing that, that bothers me, right? Is so. During the inauguration, I went full petty mode, right? Like, I've, I'm on fucking quarantine right now again. You've got so time. I, I got time, right? <laughs> so your boy went petty. I was talking all sorts of shit. I was talking shit on Twitter. I was talking shit on Instagram. Like, I posted a story, like, where the fuck are all you idiots that said that, like, you know, like, oh, just wait till, till January 20th, and we're going to see what happens, and Donald yeah. Trump's going to be president. They're going to find nobody we're still yeah. in the election. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what the fuck happened? Yeah, right? where, where's your great, great conspiracy now? Yeah. Where's your great, great you know, plan and, now? What happened? And, and the thing that pissed me off was, like, other people, like, other liberals, right, coming at me like, hey, bro, like, we need to be, like, united here, you know? Like, we you need don't to... unite with people who want you dead. Yeah, that's, that's, that's mean, my we're thing. We're overlooking the aspect of this that's crucial here. This wasn't that Donald Trump would be elected, re-elected, or Donald Trump would be inaugurated. It was that their enemies would be mass executed. Do you understand? Like, people were genuinely salivating over the idea that there were going to be mass executions. Let's say you genuinely believe that stuff. The fact that you're genuinely excited about mass murder. That's what you're yeah. rooting for. Mass murder. That every Democrat was going to be executed. They're going to put that, their heads on pikes. Yeah, that's, not, that's not unity. You can't unify with people like that. You can't empathize with people like that. So we've got to acknowledge it, that, that millions of people didn't fall for it, but actively participated in what was the most obvious con. The most obvious con. This was a person who was clearly messing with them. This was a person who was clearly willing to sell t-shirts. That's all it was. It was a massive con, and they fell for it. I mean, they took for their messiah a D-list reality TV star who has failed in every single business that he's ever touched. That's their messiah? That's their king? This was the person that was going to rescue him? A person who has, in his 70-whatever years of life, has never once shown that he's cared for anyone other than himself. Bro, that was their messiah. Look, man, I've said this before, but the one thing that I'll give fucking Donald Trump credit for is his marketing of his, like, his bullshit things. Because I've never seen in my life, right? Like, I've lived through an Obama president. I lived through two Obama presidencies. And the first one, yeah, all those hope posters and all that stuff, like, those Mm -hmm. sold. 
but not to the extent that this of this Donald Trump merchandise. I I never saw anyone flying around with an Obama flag. All right, mm. I never saw anyone like wearing Obama hats. Like mm. I never saw that shit. Maybe once a year, maybe at the most, I'd see someone wearing a Hope shirt, and that was in two thousand nine to 2010 after that no one fucking wore obama gear like a anymore good predator and that's what he is he's a good predator like a good predator he recognized the opening what we're seeing here is that there is a, a huge huge that capitalism had produced a huge market for people who like uh the undertaker believe in a fictitious past mm-hmm. a glory day that never existed right never existed but a glory day that never existed and in the belief that there was maybe one of those glorious days back in the whatever that there could be a champion who would then bring america back to that <laughs> but it was all fiction it was all a lie it was a snake oil salesman tactic it was convincing that if you buy this toaster you too can have the beaver cleaver life it was nothing more from the marketing strategies of capitalism in the 20th century. Yeah. The pro- a promise that never existed. If you ever look at the ads for the 20th century, right? You look at them, and they're all about these, the, the Beaver Cleaver family. All yeah. of them are, right? Mm-hmm. Buy this turkey baster, and you too can have this gorgeous family. Look at the family. Dad, Dad's sitting with a pipe, and he's smoking. He's reading a newspaper. Kids are playing. Yeah, mom's, mom's got cooking, an apron on right? with some big bosoms. Yeah, it's all, it's, you look at that and go, that's what I want. But the reality is that family never really existed either. No. The nuclear family is a fiction, has been made up over the years. Families have always been complicated. Families have always been messy. Divorce always happened. Unhappy families, cold marriages, all of them all existed. But we were convinced, mm-hmm. right, that maybe our grandparents, they lived a happy life. No, but maybe our parents did. There's always this idea, right, that the past with this, this, or this glorious past that's slipping away. That's what mm-hmm. they sold us. And uh, capitalism has been selling that for ages, right? Now we're seeing that co- companies are shifting a little bit and they're now focusing on a quote-unquote inclusive future. But again, that's also a fiction that they're creating. They're never ever really truly inclusive, right? Look at mm-hmm. every CEO board of every company that's talking about how they're progressive and you'll realize how non-inclusive they actually are, right? Yeah. But they're selling it. Look, so... That's all it was. You just did 20th century marketing. And the American people ate it up. Millions of people fell for it. Millions of people didn't fall for it. They actively participated in it. And I'll tell you why it was so successful. It was successful because it emboldened people to be cruel to the people they've always wanted to be cruel towards. Yeah. That <laughs> is the key right there, Diz. It was the ability... For people who've always wanted to be racist, to be racist. To be all the people who always wanted to be cruel to Democrats, liberals, women, immigrants, LGBTQ, whatever. Anyone who's Mm -hmm. different. It emboldened them. That's why it was so successful. It said, you know what? You can be as horrible as you genuinely want. That's all that matters. He accomplished nothing. Absolutely nothing. No fucking wall was built. Mexico didn't pay for it. Obamacare wasn't repealed. None of the things he promised, he did. (laughs) But you know what he did succeed in? He succeeded in giving people the weapon that they've always wanted to use against other people. Racism. That's it. Bigotry. It was an opportunity for people to be cruel to other people. That's the politics of cruelty. 
I mean, think about it. Every single thing that they cheered on was what? Banning people, imprisoning people, executing people. That's what they wanted. That's, that's, how do you address that? How do you unify with millions of people who think that way? Right? The fact that Biden, and to be clear, Biden's not no hope in any way, shape, or form, a neoliberal shill who's going to expand the U.S. imperial interests, who's going to continue all those policies, whatever. But he said one word that we're going to tackle white supremacy, and it made Republicans freak out. If you're afraid that someone says, hey, we're going to tackle white supremacy, you might want to take a hard look in the mirror. Right? Yeah. Like if someone says, hey, we're going to tackle racism, <gasps> how dare how you attack dare? me? Well, you're just implicitly admitting that you're a racist. Yeah, the fuck, man? That's... Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm somewhat hopeful, right, to see what happens. And I'm not going to lie. Like, I didn't expect Biden to do anything, right? I am pleasantly shocked in the stuff that he's done so far. So, you know, like, so far, he, what, he's put a stop on interest rates on student loans. Yeah. He stopped mass evictions. He reversed the, the Muslim and African ban. He put us back in the Paris Climate uh, yeah. Agreement. He signed an executive order for transgender rights. Yeah, um, yeah he's done a flurry of executive rights, including those around COVID, which are good, yeah. right? And at the end of the day, I don't think, I certainly am not cheering or I'm excited for him in any way, shape, or form. But there is an element of relief, right? That you're not busy fighting outright fascism, that now you're, you're going to be busy fighting against neoliberalism, which is a different type of fight altogether difficult but more manageable than the fight against fascism the reality is is that as much as he can sign as many executive orders as he wants but unless we address the genuine conditions that gave rise to trump in the first place then we can expect another trump in a few years and one that might be more sophisticated and less incompetent yeah like a howley yeah i think he's torpedoed his chances but I think that this is where we need to be very careful, is that if we don't address it, how do we address the fact that millions of people believed in this QAnon shit? That it can exist in a mild form, like in the case of The Undertaker, where you believe in this sort of nostalgic bullshit. The politics of nostalgia is compelling, right? What mm-hmm. happens when the next person comes around and goes, hey, I want to return you to the days of Trump? And people <laughs> look back on the days of Trump as the good years. What do we do then, Right. We thought it would be unthinkable that people would imagine the years in which black people couldn't vote and women couldn't vote and there wasn't equal rights, that they could imagine those years as the golden years. But they did. Yeah. What's to say that 10 years from now, they're not going to look at the Trump era as the golden years? Yeah. That's my issue, is how do we address that? How do we address the mild form of it, whereas there's politics of nostalgia? And how do we address the extreme version of it, which is this conspiracy theory bullshit? How do you get to the point where millions of people become, you know, inoculated to that so that they don't believe in it again? Tomorrow, you know, W doesn't show up and puts out all sorts of things on 4chan or whatnot. And again, millions of people decided what happens when these people become radicalized into open white supremacy groups. And that's the next big fear, right? These groups aren't going to go away if they're disillusioned now. This is a prime time, and we've already seen that various white supremacist organizations are like, this is the time for us to recruit. Yeah. Recruit the people who are disenfranchised and disillusioned with Q and draw them into an organization. I mean, it's a smart tactic. 
It is. That's what we yeah. have to deal with. That's the realities fucking terrible. of us going forward. Yeah. That, I, mean, I don't know how to address that. I don't know. If you don't address the conditions, I'm not sure that there's a way to unify our movement. Anyways, it's a, it's a grim topic, but important one to have a conversation about. You fucking right? left because us on a cliffhanger. Of, yeah, the world of, of wrestling is deeply tied, and the world of media is deeply tied to our politics. Yeah, Let's end it there. Vince McMahon. Diz, why don't you uh, take us out? You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash currently nerdy, Twitter at currently nerdy, Instagram at currently nerdy. Um, we're on Tumblr, currently nerdy.tumblr.com, Sti- uh, Stitcher, and Apple Podcast app. So make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Um, listen, assholes, I've been telling you this for years. Five star ratings and reviews. Cuss me out in the review, okay? No, don't just say, cuss anybody out in the review. Just say, hey, you know? I was listening to that podcast, and it was great until I heard that fucking piece of shit Diz telling me to review, and now I'm going to review and give him five stars in spite of him, you know? Say something like that to me. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us individually, you can as well. Ali, how can I get a hold of you? You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at A-A-O-L-O-M-I or on our sister podcast, Head on History. I should also mention that the book I was talking about that talked about the history of masculinity and boxing is called Manliness and Civilization by Gail Betterman. Very, very good book, so check that out. Diz. You can find me everywhere at Dizbulla, D-I-Z-B-U-L-L-A-H. I mean, I'm petty as hell everywhere, so find me on there. (laughs) For everyone here at Currently Nerdy, thank you for tuning in, and remember, stay smart, sexy nerds. All hail the currently nerdy empire.